Okay, so we're getting into the summertime, finally, right? I mean, it was like the longest winter ever. We cocooned up inside of our houses, and we're finally getting to summertime. It's finally warming up. Yay! If you're like me, you love the springtime. Uh, you enjoy the summertime when the temperatures are warmer. I was telling Shan this week, you know, I wish it was like 75 all the time, just every day sunny and 75, and, and I realized that I should be living in San Diego. Uh, and uh, although it's been hot out there, they've had like 95 degree temperatures. So never mind, we'll take this, right? We'll take this. We're going to be happy and content with what we have and be grateful to God that we live where we live. And uh, we're going to um, still complain about how cold it is in the wintertime and still complain about how hot it is in the summertime. But speaking of hot summers, you know, there's, it's just, when you get out into the, the heat of the summertime, when you get out in the summer and it's just so hot, uh, there is nothing that hits the spot like an ice cold glass of water. Oh, when you are just when you're out there and you 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 either you know you go for a walk and it's really really hot and your mouth gets all dry or you're you're mowing the lawn, you know, I can't stand yard work. I have a, a wonderful neighbor uh, who uh, mows my lawn for me. And I tell you, I, I, I'm just so thankful for my neighbor uh, who mows my lawn and uh, so therefore I don't have to go out and drink a really nice Mmm, that is good right there. Some good old Griffith, Indiana tap water, highly chlorinated, but nice and cold nonetheless. Um, I, uh, when you're out there in the heat and you're just you're sweating and nasty and just gross, and you you go inside and you put some ice in a glass and you fill that glass with water and you take that drink, it's just so refreshing, right? And it just feels so good. It just tastes so good, and nothing else can do it. There's nothing else that you can drink that is going to to give you that satisfaction like that cold, ice-cold glass of water. You could try. I, I'm a Diet Pepsi guy, okay? Uh, I love Diet Pepsi. Uh, I know it's bad for me. Don't have to say anything. I don't need your looks of derision. Uh, I don't need your judgment and condemnation. I know that it's no good for me. I understand that. I drink it anyway, okay? And I drink lots of Diet Pepsi. I mean, I'm talking like two, three cans a day. I know. I know. Okay, I know. I just enjoy the taste, okay? And I love But it, uh, the reason I had to drink two or three cans is because it doesn't satisfy. It does not like a glass of water. I can drink one glass of water or a bottle of water. Again, I know I recycle. Um, but uh, I, nothing satisfies like water. You know, water quenches that thirst. It really does. And it does a great job of it, better than anything else can. It is great for quenching that physical thirst of our bodies. But what about the spiritual thirst of our souls? What quenches the spiritual thirst of our hearts? What quenches the spiritual thirst in our souls? What kind of water can we drink that will do that? Today we are talking about being thirsty. We're talking about having spiritual thirst. What can we drink? What can soothe the parched soul? What can soothe the parched heart? Everything else will leave us thirsty, but there's one thing that we can drink that will, so that will soothe our souls. Um, the question I have for you today is, what are you thirsty for? What are you thirsty for? Perhaps you are thirsty for, for meaning or thirsty for purpose in your life. And you just say, if, if I had some kind of purpose and direction in my life, 
I'm really thirsty for that. I'm thirsty for meaning and purpose. Or maybe you're thirsty for unconditional love and acceptance. That if people would know me, they would get to know me. If somebody would just know me for who I am and would just love me for who I am. Maybe you're looking for unconditional love and acceptance. Maybe you're thirsty for freedom. Thirsty for freedom from guilt. Thirsty for freedom from shame. Maybe you're thirsty for freedom from worry or freedom from fear. We live in a scary world, and there's a lot to be worried about, and there's a lot to be afraid of. Just watch the news for 15 minutes, and you'll be terrified. Maybe you're thirsty for for freedom from worry and fear. We're talking today about how you never have to thirst again. That there is a water that you can drink. There is a source of water that you can find that will keep you from being thirsty ever again. We're looking at a story from the book of John, John chapter 4. So if you've got your Bible, you can grab your Bible, turn to John chapter 4. We're going to look at two different kinds of thirst this morning. We're finishing up our series called Face to Face. And uh, we've been looking at stories from John's gospel where people had a one-on-one face-to-face conversation with Jesus. And so Jesus has these face-to-face conversations with people. And we've looked at different stories about when Peter had a conversation with Jesus. Uh, Jesus had a conversation with Nicodemus, a conversation uh, with um, uh, different people, um, uh, with a seeker, uh, uh, with um, women, with men. Uh, Today's story is about a conversation that Jesus has with the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. We'll talk a little bit about why it's important that she was a Samaritan woman and and different things about this conversation that they have. Um, If you've got your Bible, turn to John 4, and if you can grab your bulletin and turn to page 3, you will find the handy-dandy outline, and we're going to fill in some blanks starting right now. The first blank on your outline is a physical request. A physical request. Look at John 4, starting verse 4. And we're going to read through verse 9. The Pharisees, I'm sorry, verse 4. Now he had had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus is thirsty. He's physically thirsty. He and his disciples are on a journey from from Jerusalem and Judea, and they're going to Galilee, which is in the north. So they were going from south to north on a long journey, and on this journey they had to pass through the region of Samaria, where the Samaritans lived. So they're going from, like I said, they're going from Judea in the south to Galilee in the north, and they're traveling, and it's a couple of days' journey, and Jesus is thirsty on this journey. Um, Now, the woman here in the story, the Samaritan woman, correctly says that Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Actually, John makes this little comment in there that Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And in fact, Jesus breaks three social customs in this passage. Three social customs. The first is the one that Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jews did not like Samaritans. They hated Samaritans. They viewed them as half-breeds. 
uh, they, they just they didn't get along. They didn't like each other at all. They had differences theologically. They had differences ethnically. And so they did not get along whatsoever. So Jews did not associate with Samaritans. The second social custom that they break is that, that Jesus breaks is that he speaks to a woman in public. This did not happen in those days. Men did not speak to women in public. And so Jesus goes up to her and asks her for a drink. The third social custom that he breaks is that uh, he's a total stranger to her, and he just goes up and initiates a conversation. This is something that strangers did not do in public. They would not just, you would not just walk up to a stranger and introduce yourself uh, or ask them a question. You wouldn't just go up and say, hi, I'm Sean. Well, of course, you wouldn't say that, but I wouldn't say that either. Hi, I'm Sean. Uh, you just didn't do that. You didn't go up to strangers in polite public and introduce yourself or begin a conversation. Um, but Jesus is thirsty. He's thirsty for something. He's thirsty. And this Samaritan woman is drawing water. And she's taken aback by his request. Now, a rabbi in those days, it's, it, it is said, I read in the commentary, that uh, rabbis would rather go thirsty. They would rather die of thirst than to do what Jesus did here. Okay, this is really, really out of the ordinary. This is really kind of scandalous what Jesus does. But what he does is what he does in our world. He gets into our world and he approaches us. Jesus is not sitting idly by waiting for something to happen. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, convicts people of their need for a savior. And Jesus comes to us as he came to the Samaritan woman, and he will not leave us alone. He wouldn't leave her alone. May I have a drink? He will not leave you alone. Jesus is coming to you looking for something. What is he looking for in your life? Jesus is coming to you. He is intruding into your life, and he wants to have a conversation with you. Because that's what Jesus does. Jesus goes to broken people and he talks to broken people. He does that with the Samaritan woman by asking her for a drink. And he comes to you and me and he initiates this conversation. And we'll talk a little bit about that in just a second. And he asks this woman for a drink, but in reality, there's much more on his mind. And when he comes to you and me, he's got something on his mind as well. The second blank on your outline is a spiritual offer. A spiritual offer. Look at uh, verse, starting in verse 10 through 15. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. So he makes her a spiritual offer. He says, you should have asked me. If you knew who you were talking to, you would have asked me for living water. She was drawing from a cistern. She was drawing from a well. And in a well or in a deep cistern, the water doesn't move. The water just sits there. But living water is water that comes from a stream or a river. It's churning. It's, it's in motion. It's moving. This is a different kind of water that Jesus can offer. 
the Samaritan woman misunderstood. She said, Jacob dug this well way back 2,000 years ago. Jacob dug this well, and he dug it really, really deep. You don't have anything to get water out of it with. How are you going to give me water? That's why you asked me for water, because you can't, you can't get any. You know, Jesus um, says that he can get living water in the desert, even where Jacob could not. That Jacob, the patriarch, couldn't get the kind of water that he was offering, the kind of water, the water that he offered was much different. Now, she asked him, do you think you're greater than Jacob? And in reality, he is. He's Jacob's creator. But they'll get to that in just a second. So how can he do this? Jesus promises that if she gets the living water that he offers, she will never thirst again. And she thinks, great, that's wonderful. I'm never going to have to walk the half a mile from my town to this well ever again, carrying this heavy jar and walking to this stupid well every single day to get water. But see, that's not the kind of water that Jesus was offering. Jesus is speaking of the spiritual, not of the physical. And you know what? This happens to us, too. We, we're so caught up in the physical of this life. We are so caught up in the temporary things of this world that we completely miss the idea. We completely miss the concept of Jesus offering us spiritual and eternal blessings. Jesus wants to renovate our heart. He wants to renovate our soul. And what we're hoping for is a new car. Jesus offers us so much more, so much better. We're stuck in the here and now, and Jesus is focused on the eternal. He is focused on eternity. We're focused on monetary and physical needs and Jesus offers us spiritual rewards and spiritual blessings. He can do so much more. He can do so much more than offer us what we physically need right now. See, God owns everything, and he can bless us with everything that we need. He can give us everything that we need. Physically, he can give us the car. He can give us the clothes. He can give us the house. He can give us anything and everything that we, de- that we need. But that is not what interests him. He wants the devotion and dedication of our hearts. He wants to transform and renovate our souls and our hearts. Jesus is interested more in the spiritual than he is in the physical. The third blank on your outline is an uncomfortable conversation. An uncomfortable conversation. Look at verses 16 through 18. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you have now that you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. So it's an uncomfortable conversation. Jesus says, go and get your husband. And she says, uh, yeah, about that. Um, I, I don't have a husband. And she says, you're absolutely right you don't have a husband. In fact, you've had five husbands, and the guy you're shacking up with now, he's not your husband either. This woman has been through a lot. She's had six men in her life. I feel bad for her. Six men in her life. Five have either divorced her or have died. And the one she has currently isn't her husband. She hasn't married number six. So let me tell you what. Let me sum up this conversation in a single word. Awkward. Absolutely. Completely awkward. He knew her personal life. He knew her personal business. He knew what was going on in her world. There's no way that he could have known all of this. He had never met this woman before in his life. She had never met him. 
And now all of a sudden he's telling her everything she's ever done. He must be a prophet. You know, I believe that everyone has to have an uncomfortable conversation with Jesus at some point. Everyone has to have an uncomfortable conversation with Jesus. You can either have it now or you can have it on Judgment Day. But there's going to be an uncomfortable conversation with Jesus where you have to confess what you've done, when you have to own up to the fact that you're a sinner, when you have to own up to the fact that you've missed the mark, that you've failed, that you have fallen short. There has to be an, an uncomfortable conversation with Jesus. You see, he knows everything. He knows everything you've ever thought. He knows everything you've ever said. He knows everything you've ever done. And he says to you, what are you doing? And you've got to have this uncomfortable conversation with him. And you can either do it now, you can confess it willingly and be forgiven, or you can stand before him on judgment day and he says, look what you've done. When there's no hope of forgiveness at that point. See, Jesus Christ came to bring forgiveness to us. He came to die for our sins. And he died on the cross as the perfect human sacrifice, giving up his life for us, suffering and dying for us so that we could be forgiven. He gave his life willingly to pay the penalty. And now if we will believe in him and if we will repent from our sins and confess him as Lord and be baptized, we will be saved. We will be forgiven. We can confess to him our sins. We can have that uncomfortable conversation and, and he will forgive us. See, Jesus knows all about our sinful habits. He knows all the things that we do. He knows all the things that we say. He knows all the things that we think. And yet, he loves us anyway. He still loves us. To me, that, that goes beyond comprehension. Knowing the things that I've done, knowing the things that I've said, knowing the sins that I've committed, the sins that I keep on committing. Why do I keep doing this? Paul asked that same question in the book of Romans. I'm in good company. Why do I keep doing these things? Jesus knows all about those things. Every single one of them. And yet he loves me anyway. He knows you. He knows all y'all's stuff too. He knows all your sins and all your struggles, all your failures, all your faults. And he loves you anyway. He loves you anyway, in spite of it all. And he is willing to forgive you just as he's willing to forgive me. And he offers us the living water of the Holy Spirit to change our lives and to transform us from the inside out. You don't have to do it. It's not all on you. It's not about your efforts. It's not about your strength. It's not about your power. It's not about what you can do. It's what Jesus can do in you through the Holy Spirit. He can change your life. And it starts with an uncomfortable conversation. This is what's going on, Jesus. This is what I've done. Will you forgive me? The fourth blank on your outline is a quick change of subject. A quick change of subject. Look at verses 19 through 24. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit 
and in truth. This subject hits a little too close to home for her. This renovation project Jesus wants to do in her life hits a little too close to home. And so what does she do? She changes the subject quickly, I might add. Jesus, let's talk about theology. Let's not talk about the mess of my life. Let's not talk about what I'm going through. Let's not talk about my five ex-husbands and my live-in boyfriend. Let's not talk about those things right now. Let's, let's change the subject. I got a theological question. I can tell that you're a prophet. You must be a prophet, for else you would never have known what I was going through. You never known about these things about me. So I know you're a prophet. And since you're a prophet from God, let me ask you a, a theological question. Something that's really important that's on my mind. You know, and, and I don't know, maybe she's not ready to deal with her life. Maybe she's not ready to deal with this subject. Maybe she's not ready to, uh, to discuss this with a stranger. Or maybe she's afraid of condemnation. Maybe she's afraid of judgment. But whatever it is, whatever reason, she changes the subject to deal with this theological issue between Jews and Samaritans that they had been arguing with, arguing about over for thousands of years. And she wants this prophet's opinion on worship. What is worship all about? Who is right and who is wrong? The Jews or the Samaritans? Are the Jews right or the Samaritans right? Do we worship on, at Jerusalem, at the Temple Mount? Do we worship at Mount Gerizim? And Jesus answers her, but not in the way she expects. Jesus goes ahead and gives her an answer, but not the answer she expected. He says there's coming a time when, when all of this won't even matter. True worship is not about buildings. True worship is not about mountains. It takes place in the heart. True worship takes place here. But you see, she didn't want to really talk about that. She didn't really want to talk about her life. She wanted to change the subject and as fast as possible. And we do the same thing. When Jesus comes to us and says, Sean, I want to mess up your life a little bit. I want to change things in you. I want to renovate your heart. I want to renovate your soul. And I'm like, oh, would you look at that? Look at their sin. Don't look at mine. Don't look at me. I, I don't want to talk about me. What about those people over there? What about their sins? Jesus says, don't worry, I'll get to them. I want to talk about you right now. Or I'll change it. Let's talk about a different, let's talk about a theological subject, Jesus. Why is there so much suffering and pain in the world? Jesus says, that's a very valid question, but we're dealing with you right now. Well, Jesus, I don't want to deal with me right now. I'm not ready to deal with this. This renovation project you've got for me hits a little bit too close to home. Jesus says, I want to deal with your sin, Sean. I want to deal with your sin, church. We got to deal with this. You know, we're looking for possible outs when it comes to being transformed and changed because it's really hard work. And let's face it, change is hard. Hard work. Uh, change requires hard work. Changing of our lives, changing of our habits, changing of our addictions, changing of our sins. It's hard work. We may not be ready to surrender those things, those habits, those addictions, those sins. How do you remember an old song called, I Surrender All? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we remember that old hymn. How many of you ever sang that old hymn, I Surrender All? How many of you keep your hands up if you meant it? Oh, you may have meant it. How many of you keep your hand up if you did it? See, surrendering all, surrendering everything to Jesus, 
isn't easy. It's a nice thought. It really is. I surrender all. Right? It's a nice thought. It's, it's a nice thought. But to surrender everything, to actually surrender it and give it up and say, I'm not dealing with this. Any, I'm not doing this anymore. To surrender everything to Jesus. All of your habits. All of your sins. All of your addictions. All of your finances. All of your relationships. Jesus calls us to give everything to him he calls us to give us he calls us to give him our time not just an hour on sunday oh we think we're doing pretty good hour 15 sean and not only that but i'll give an hour for bible study too maybe an hour and a half no jesus calls us to give us to give him all of our time our talents our abilities no, I, I, I prefer not to. I'll give you a little bit. I'll, I'll do something for you, Jesus, but I, I don't want to give it all to you. Our treasure, our money, our resources, our finances, Jesus wants it all. And what are we saying? No, 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 no. I'll, I'll give you, I, have a, I got a little bit left over. I'll toss that in the plate. That's not what Jesus asks for. That's not what Jesus wants. It is about complete and total surrender of every aspect of our lives to Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. And that's hard. Man, is that hard. And I'm not going to lie to you and sit here, oh, it's easy, just give everything up to Jesus. No, that's hard. You know why? Because we keep wanting to take it back. Right? It's like, all right, Jesus, I'm going to give you this sin. I'm going I'm to give it over to you. And, and, and temptation comes along and says, like, I need that back. Jesus is looking at you like, no, you don't. You don't need this at all. But Jesus, I need my sin. Jesus, I need this addiction. I need this habit. I need this money. I need this time. I need these resources. Jesus says, just give it to me, and I'll give you more than you could ever possibly imagine. The fifth blank on your outline, the last one, is a divine revelation. A divine revelation. Look at verses 25 and 26. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Jesus reveals his true identity to her. She's looking for a Messiah and he's right there talking with her. She's looking for living water and he's ready to give it to her. She's thirsty. She's parched. She's dry. And Jesus can give her a drink that will never run dry. She's got a past, and he wants to give her a future. Sound familiar? We're looking for streams of living water in our lives. We want a, something to quench that thirst of our souls, quench that thirst of our hearts that will never run dry, but we're settling for Diet Coke. We're dry and we're thirsty and we can't get satisfied by the world. Only Jesus completely satisfies. Only Jesus completely satisfies. The things of this world will gratify you. Gratification is temporary. Gratification is something that lasts just a few minutes or maybe a few hours or maybe a few days even. But it doesn't last forever. Only Jesus and his love lasts forever. Everything else is temporary. Jobs they're temporary, right? Your company outsources your job overseas. 
and now you're standing in an un- unemployment line waiting for a new job. Money is fleeting, right? No, I'm the only one? I'm the only one who spends it as soon as I get it or, or, or spends it the day before I get it? I'm the only one, right? Okay, no? All right. Only Jesus satisfies. Money and things cannot satisfy our souls. Because what happens? Money is spent, and the things that we spend it on either go out of style or they break. Oh, that's frustrating. That is so frustrating. Time. Time is ticking away, right? Going by faster and faster and faster and faster every day. You turn around. You know, when you're in elementary school, time takes forever. Summer break is never going to get here. I'm dealing with that right now. Got eight days of school left. Eight days! Yes, eight days. You will survive. No, I won't. Yes, you will. This goes by faster than you think. You want to know how fast time goes? Ask an elementary school student at the end of summer how fast time went <laughs> and how long the school year takes. But you turn around, and the next thing you know, you're walking across the stage handing you a high school diploma. And then you turn around again, and you're walking across the stage, and they're handing you a college diploma. You turn around again, and you're standing before your friends and family going, I do? And then you turn around one more time. You're holding your firstborn, and then your secondborn, and then your thirdborn. And you're thinking, I can't do this anymore. And then the next thing you know, they're going to preschool, and the tears are flowing. The next thing you know, they're graduating from high school. The next thing you know, you're handing them off to somebody else as they get married. And you're facing retirement. And you're wondering, where did my life go? I thought I had all the time in the world. And now it's gone. It's scary. You will not find purpose. You will not find fulfillment. You will not find meaning in time. Every wrinkle, every gray hair reminds us of our mortality. We are one day closer to the grave. Time doesn't last. Relationships don't last. We try to satisfy that thirst. We try to satisfy that longing with temporary fixes when what we need is an eternal relationship. Jesus is the only one who will never let you down. He's the only one who can save you from your sins. Everything else is gratification. Everything else is temporary. Only Jesus satisfies those eternal longings in our heart. Only Jesus satisfies that hunger. Only Jesus Jesus satisfies that thirst. So what are you hungry for today? And I'm not talking Culver's. What are you thirsty for today? I'm not talking Diet Coke. Diet Pepsi for me. How are you trying to satisfy that thirst in your heart? Are you looking to quench it with things that don't last? You will soon discover that you are going to return to that well over and over and over again. You may be looking for purpose and meaning and hope in your, in your work, and you find out that the things you labored for are out of style or they've broken, or your job is outsourced and you're looking for a new job. You may be looking for happiness in another person. You may be looking for happiness in a relationship. But you'll soon discover that people let you down and people break your heart. Or maybe you're looking for to quench that thirst with things that, that can help you escape. You drink too much or you eat too much or you shop too much. I shop too much. Oh, and I, I eat too much. 
I eat way too much. I'm telling you, moment of, of honesty here, pizza rolls. That's all I can say, pizza rolls. They put little bits of narcotics in those things. I'm not even lying. I'm not even kidding. Because I kid you not, about 8 o'clock every night, it's like, I need about a dozen pizza rolls. And you're thinking, no, you don't. No, you don't. I'm thinking, no, I don't. No, I don't. And I'm throwing them in the toaster oven. <laughs> okay, come on. Ten minutes. That's all I need is ten minutes, and I get my pizza roll fixed. It's terrible. Diet Pepsi and a Diet Pepsi. Eight o'clock at night, I'm drinking Diet Pepsi in pizza rolls. And I wonder, where did this come from? came from pizza roll land. That's where it came from. What are you trying to satisfy that thirst with? You know? The problem with that, the problem with drinking too much or eating too much or shopping too much is that temporary high goes away. And all of a sudden, you got, you got to drink a little bit more and you got to eat a little bit more. Now you need 20 pizza rolls. Oh, man. Or you got to shop a little bit more and you max out your credit cards. See? It never ends. The things of this world do not last. But a fully surrendered, fully devoted relationship with Jesus Christ lasts forever. He invites you to come to him today. He invites you to come and surrender everything to him and to drink from his living water that never runs dry. Never runs dry. Spend time getting to know him in prayer and in the word of God. Dedicate your time to working on this relationship with Jesus. If you've ever been in a relationship, if you're in a relationship now, you know that relationships have to be worked at. They have to be cultivated. They have, it requires effort and time and communication. It's no different with Jesus. We need to spend time with him and communicate with him in his word and through prayer because he is the only one who will satisfy and truly quench 